politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, the city of Philadelphia has put the mask mandate back in place starting in a week. That's right. In one week, masks go back on. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous at this point that we're doing this. But again, it's about control. It always has been about control. And here we go again. Here we go again. Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a good day. It is amazing to me, honestly, that we are in this place again. And and, and and a week. It's so dangerous, so deadly. They have to wait a week till they make you put a mask on again. There was a um, little compilation that was put together by CBS3 regarding how local people in Philadelphia feel about this mask mandate. I want you to listen to this because I think it's really important to know. It's not just me saying this, but people that actually live in the city are saying this, how freaking stupid this is. And it is. It's beyond ridiculous. The possibility of requiring masks inside in Philadelphia, though, is not very popular. It should be to each his own. You want to wear a mask? Fine. I don't have a problem with it. But mandatory? That's like, that's like saying one size fits all. This is terrible. You know, we had to do this for two years, and I feel like we're back to normal now. And if you are getting the virus right now, it's very minor. He's right. It is very minor. And, and things were back to normal. I mean, as normal as they can be anyway in a city like Philadelphia. I was in the city over the weekend. We went out to dinner. We walked around. Everybody at the restaurant was fine. Packed, crowded, no, no masks. Very, I should say no. One or two. I mean, very, very minor. But that's the thing. They won't let us be normal again. They will not. They refuse. They can't. They can't allow it. They cannot allow us to just be normal. Fauci, you notice how he's come back again. He's come out of hiding to come in and condemn everybody to doom again. It just doesn't stop with these people. It really doesn't. It's always been about control, and it, it always will be about control. Fauci over the weekend says, well, COVID's not going away. Well, of course it's not going away. Nobody thinks it's going away. It's going to be here forever, like the flu or the common cold. Why are we not masking up when the flu's around? Why don't we do that? What is it about COVID that makes it so unique that we have to wear a mask? Really, what is it? I'm curious about that. What is it? You know they're going to put it back in on trains and buses and planes too, right? Here's Biden's COVID response coordinator saying... Let me just ask you, Dr. Jha, does that mean that extending the mask mandate in public transportation is a live option? It's on the table? Yeah, I, I look, this is a CDC decision, uh, and uh, I think it is absolutely on the table. And and Dr. Walensky is going to make uh, her decision based on, on the framework that the CDC scientists create. And, and we'll make a decision uh, collectively based on that. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make a decision based on that. And by the way, all these people in D.C. are getting COVID now. All these these big wigs, all these big shots are all getting COVID. And then they're all fine. They're all fine. If Nancy Pelosi at her age, I mean this in all sincerity, if Nancy Pelosi at her age gets COVID and is, is, is okay, then I, mean, I understand she's immortal and, you know, the vampiric blood might have something in it that kills the COVID. But all these people in D.C. are getting it. All these big shots, 68 and counting, have tested positive since going to this super spreader political gridiron event. And, 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 and what? Are they in the hospital? Are they dying? Are they dropping down the streets? No. So what is it about COVID versus influenza that we're still making people mask up at this point in the pandemic with vaccines and treatments and, and, and monoclonal antibodies? And what is it about COVID? I, the answer is control. That's what it is. It's control. It's, there's nothing else. I mean, people are getting colds with worse symptoms than this. 
people are getting the flu and dying from the flu and, and but we don't we don't make them stop their life and and and, re, and re, put a mask on and act like a like a moron we don't make them do that because they can do it with covid and they're still doing it with covid that's the thing they're not going to stop when are they going to stop i mean just ask yourself this question when never not as long as they're in charge not as long as they're in power they're not going to stop I'll tell you what, it's very frustrating to me, and I'm sure it's as frustrating to you. Philadelphia is, for the moment, the only major city in the country with a mask mandate. We're at roughly 25% of the case-slash-hospitalization levels that would trigger a recommendation for, for one from the CDC. But the city says response levels are based on a percentage increase, a percentage increase. So because cases were so low, and now cases are going up a little bit, you can say the percentage is very high. But that doesn't mean that it's dangerous. It doesn't mean that people are getting it. It doesn't mean that. Philadelphia is not close yet to reaching the point where the CDC would recommend masking for most people. They're not close. Not close to that. But they base it on percentages. And that's ridiculous because if you had nobody getting it and then five people get it, oh, the percentage of that is, oh, it's it's amazing. It's massive. Look at this percent increase. But that's not the way you should you should make things. That's not how you should do things. 50% higher than what we saw 10 days ago does not mean that there's a problem. It just means that cases were just so incredibly low. That's all that means. And she says today, the number of people hospitalized is still low. So t- today I'm announcing that we have reached the threshold for moving out of the all-clear response level into the COVID precautions level. And a one-week education period. This woman's a lunatic, this Cheryl Bedigal. She's a lunatic. The Philadelphia Health Commissioner. Let's listen to some of this announcement here. Let's see. So I'd hoped we wouldn't be meeting like this again, but here we no, are. I don't believe that. On February 16th, we established our COVID response levels. These response levels were intended to show Philadelphians what was happening with the pandemic and transparently tie our response to that. The idea was that if the pandemic was getting better and cases and hospitalizations were going down, we should lift some of our mitigation strategies. If things got worse, we had the ability to put strategies into place that would help slow the the spread of COVID. Shortly after we announced the response levels, things did get better and we were able to move into the all clear level. We could choose to go into businesses and institutions without masks and dine out without checking for vaccination. It was wonderful to feel that sense of normalcy again. For two months, not even. But recently, we've been watching COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations rise in several European countries and in some places in the U.S. Not here, though. Not here. Europe. Right? Some places in the U.S. Where are those places? Philadelphia? Nope. And now we're starting to see cases here in Philadelphia rise. This looks like we may be at the start of a new COVID wave like Europe just saw. We may be. Today, we're reporting that we're averaging 142 new cases every day. Today's case count is more than 50% higher than what we saw 10 days ago. Again, that's irrelevant. Because 50% higher means nothing. That means nothing. I'm no math guy, but if there are two people and one of them has candy and the other one doesn't, and then the other one gets candy and you go, well, that's that's a 50% increase in the number of people that have gotten candy. It doesn't mean that everybody's getting candy. I'm just saying. Again, I'm no math guy. But this is so silly. Isn't this ridiculous? Isn't this absolutely ridiculous? I mean, that that that, uh, that we could be in this place again. And there's so, she's just so... She doesn't give a, sh- a, a damn. You know what I mean? She really doesn't. You can tell. 
Uh, Kamala Harris wasn't wearing a mask indoors, though, however, because it was a very emotional day. Just so you know, when it comes to D.C., they have all their reasons for why they don't follow the rules like everybody else. Last question. You said on Friday that um, the vice president was masked indoors all day, but the White House tweeted a video showing her standing over the president without a mask on. Can you explain what happened there? Well, I would say that the vice president and the president and all of us abide by what the CDC protocols are. It was an emotional day. It was a historic day. And there were moments when she was not wearing a mask inside, including in a photo. But she was wearing it 99.9% of the time. Remember, if it's an emotional day and a historic day, COVID can't spread. Got it? If it was an emotional day and a historic day, COVID cannot spread. COVID goes, oh, well, 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 in that case... In that, in, that, in that case, then, I guess we'll back off. I didn't realize it was an emotional day. I was just about to strike, but I didn't realize it was an emotional day. Now I know. Good. Excellent. Well, now I know. She's human. She's human, you understand. She's just a human being. On the issue of the vice president and the masking, a couple of times you've cited emotional day, important day, important role she was playing. You're not saying that those things are reasons to not follow CDC. Absolutely not. And I appreciate your question on no, that. No, no, it is for them a reason not to because the CDC guidance is all a bunch of bullshit. That's BS. Excuse me. It's all a bunch of BS. So it is it is actually a reason not to follow because the guidance is all BS. But for them, it doesn't matter because they make up their own rules. They make up their own rules. So if they decide that it's an emotional, historic day, then the rules don't count for them. And they're better than you, and they're smarter than you, and they're the elites. So quit your whining about how unfair life is. What I was conveying is that, uh, you know, while she has worn a mask, uh, as is protocol, and as is our expectation of everyone from the vice president, the president, all of us on down, if you have a close contact, uh, that there was a photo, as uh, Jackie said, and there there are moments when yeah, she was human, and oh, uh, she didn't have human. a fat mask on in a photo, um, but she has worn the mask, and certainly that is what we want to con- convey to the American people. Is it because of the photo, because it's an important day, and the photo will live for decades, that... We all understand. I mean, I'm wearing a mask today. I don't always wear a mask. I love how the press is like, I mean, we all understand, but let's get let's get a better answer here. Let's get a better BS spin for why she wasn't wearing uh, a mask. Can you do that for us, Jen? Trying to help you out here. You're about to be one of our colleagues at MSNBC, so trying to help you out. Why don't you focus on that? It was the picture, right? The emotional picture, right? Is that the reason? I think it was a decision made in the moment, uh, but uh, it doesn't mean that we don't uh, all uh, try to be model citizens here and abide by what the CDC protocols are and requirements. And I conveyed uh, and wanted to reiterate that she did test negative in case those of you had not seen that because she now is at that five day uh, past the close contact. All right, so she's only human, okay? Now, if you're in Philadelphia, though, and they tell you to put a mask on, just turn around and go, hey, get off my back. I'm feeling emotional and historic, uh, historical, and I'm emotional. So get get off my back, man, all right? Got it? That's what you have to do. That's how you have to say it. You got to just be very clear about that and remind people that rules aren't made to be broken, and, and, and because rules are made to be broken, then at that point, then, if you decide you don't want to follow them, you don't have to. That's how it works. Rules? Rules are for little people like you. Not for them. They make the rules. They are our overlords. You should know this, by the way. You should know this. Ah, because she's human. Don't you understand? Because she's human. Amazing times indeed. Now, I know what you're wondering. 
Biden going after ghost guns. What does that what does that mean? Well, basically, what it means is uh, nothing. I, it, it's just another way for for the Democrats to turn around and try to go after legal guns again, because that's what they stand for. It's what they believe. I'll give you I'll give you a point. Biden brought up uh, banning quote unquote assault weapons again today. Oh yeah, and high capacity magazines. No, he brought it up again. Again, he brought it up. This is supposed to be about ghost guns, which are illegal firearms that are used primarily in the commission of crimes, obviously. And that's what it's supposed to be about. But because Democrats can never just make it about that, the ultimate goal, of course, is to disarm you. They can't help themselves but bring this up. Here we go. And I know it's controversial, but I got it done once. Ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. I was getting criticized when I first passed this law when I was a senator. And guess what? I was down in southern Delaware to do a lot of hunting and fishing down there. And I was walking up one of the creek beds. And the guy standing there said, you want to take my gun? I said, I don't take your gun. He said, well, you're telling me I can't have more than the next number of bullets in, a, in, 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 a, in my gun. And I said, what do you think the deer you're hunting or wear Kevlar vest? What the hell do you need 20 bullets for? You must be a hell of a terrible shot. I'm serious. Think about it. Think about the mass shootings. So he does the, the, the fake story, which you know is BS because he never had that conversation. And then he then he whispers and he yells. First of all, you know, the Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting. You know that, obviously. And this isn't about being able to kill deer with lots and lots of bullets. Uh, this is about protecting ourselves and our freedom and then at the same breath, Biden and the Democrats will turn around and applaud the people of Ukraine for fighting back against tyranny and the Russian invasion. What do you think they're fighting against? Now, let me pull him for there. I'm serious. What do you think they're fighting with? Huh? Paper mache? Huh? Slingshots? Huh? Huh? Uh, Biden banned semi-automatic rifles involved in the fewest crimes nationally, and the ban didn't lower crime, by the way. California restricted magazine capacity and crime spiked anyway. Because all you do is bust the chops of law-abiding citizens. That's it. That's all you wind up doing. If you commit a crime, Biden says, expect federal prosecution. Why would... Why is this a newsflash to criminals? No, really. If you commit a crime with a ghost gun, expect federal prosecution. Not just say, expect federal prosecution. Federal prosecution, got it? Federal prosecution, understand? Got it? Got it. Good. Why were they not being uh, prosecuted before, exactly? Why Why weren't they? Because it has nothing to do with ghost guns, that's why. It has nothing to do with ghost guns. But here's another question. Should Hunter Biden be charged for lying on his gun application? As Andy McCarthy writes in the New York Post, lie and tries what the feds call cases in which people who are disqualified from owning guns under federal law try to get a gun by concealing the disqualification. It is maddening but true that many of these people are not charged. Consequently, you're hearing Hunter Biden apologists argue that the president's problem son should not be singled out for prosecution over apparently concealing his history of illegal drug use when he bought a handgun in 2018. It is a very misleading argument. Hunter, after all, did not lie and try. He got the gun. If he withheld the drug abuse problem and he's required to disclose, that isn't lying and trying. It's lying and succeeding. 
But the purpose of the law is to prevent lethal weapons from falling into the hands of people who are unstable or dangerous. Thus, some of the qualifications deal with criminal and similarly suspect behavior, such as prior convictions and dishonorable discharge from the armed forces, while others deal with conditions of instability and mental disturbance, such as narcotics abuse and mental disability adjudications. And notice what happened in Hunter's case. He did not reveal his history of drug abuse. He got the gun and he handled it negligently to the point, according to reports, that his then girlfriend found it in a car and carelessly sought to dispose of it in a trash bin of a local store, obviously because she was concerned about the dangerous potential of of Hunter having it. Sounds a lot like the laptop computers, doesn't it? Despite the fact that the hard drives were teeming with sensitive, embarrassing, and potentially incriminating information, Hunter never returned to get them back after bringing them to a repair shop. Did he forget? Did he make a rash decision to leave them in the hands of a technician he'd never met before? Who knows? All he can say with confidence is this. It's the kind of terrible judgment typically exhibited by people whose substance abuse history renders them unstable. That's why we don't want them to have guns, he writes. Much else is curious about his latest Biden misadventure. Why, for example, did the Secret Service office in Wilmington, Delaware get involved? Yes, that would be the same agency that was then providing protection for former Vice President Joe Biden as he was planning his 2020 presidential bid. The Secret Service has nothing to do with firearms background checks or with investigating misplaced guns. Why would Secret Service agents try to get the gun dealer to surrender the paperwork from Hunter's purchase? I don't know. Sounds to me like it should be certainly something investigated. Hunter's got a lot of investigations, though. It may just be amount of, uh, we just don't have enough time to investigate all the crimes. That's always possible, right? Got to limit our Hunter investigations to maybe like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50, you know? Uh, Ghost guns. Ghost guns. Joe Biden says today, I instructed the attorney general to write a regulation that would rein in the proliferation of ghost guns because I was having trouble getting anything passed in the Congress. But I use what we call regulatory authority. Democrats love regulatory authority. They love it. They really do. They stand for it so much. And you know what they wind up doing with regulatory authority? Making the executive branch even more powerful. The FBI, the FBI, um, as you know, was involved in this... um, this plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. You, you might have heard about this, right? The FBI informants who were involved in this. And two men have been acquitted of plotting to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. And, and here's the thing about this now. The, 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 the others were, it was a hung jury. And here's the question that I think a lot of people are wondering right now. Why is the government spending so much time trying to create scenarios to then arrest people? Prosecutors are inevitably going to lose some cases in our jury system, but they should win the big ones or have confidence in honest justice. And what happened here now was kind of a shock, right? When a federal jury failed to convict four men accused of conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. It's kind of a big deal. Men who were trying to kidnap a sitting governor. Kind of a big deal. You you would think that would be a layup, wouldn't you? A layup of a win? Think about it. It's a sitting governor. The... They were going to kidnap her, so why didn't they win the case? Why did the feds drop the ball on this one? What happened? The prosecutions made national headlines in 2020 as supposed evidence that political polarization may have been driving Americans to violent extremism. The indictments fit a popular media narrative that right-wing radicals were prepared to commit terrorist acts. Oh, yeah, the right-wing radicals were everywhere, just waiting to act. And then this happened, people went, ah, you see, I told you, oh, Trump, 
Look what you've done to this country. The Justice Department said the defendants were associated with the Wolverine Watchmen, a militia group that conducted combat training and planned to kidnap Governor Whitmer, a Democrat, and try her for treason or worse. As motive, prosecutors said the men were unhappy with her COVID-19 policies. Pretty serious charges. Politically motivated terrorism. It's the kind of thing that everybody would get behind and say, no, 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 we can disagree with Governor Whitmer, but we don't, we don't, we don't kidnap her and try her for treason and possibly execute her. But after a four-week trial, a jury found Brandon Caserta and Daniel Harris not guilty of all charges, including kidnapping conspiracy. The jurors failed to reach a verdict on two other defendants, Adam Fox and Barry Croft, and so the judge declared a mistrial. Two others had pled guilty and testified at the trial, which makes the verdicts all the more startling. Think about that now. You had some of them declare guilt because they were afraid and the government has another way of doing this to people, bullying them into just confessing and to whatever the government wants them to confess to. And then they go, we're going to be lenient on you, but everybody's going away. You'll go away the least. And so these guys turned state's evidence and wound up helping the, the government here. And they still couldn't get a prosecution. They still couldn't get a guilty verdict. Hmm. The jurors may explain their doubts to the press, but one possibility is that they believed the defense claim that the Federal Bureau of Investigation entrapped the men into taking steps toward a kidnapping that they never intended to carry out. The FBI has lost cases on entrapment grounds in the past, and it's true that the line between entrapment and genuine intent can be narrow. Agents have to be careful not to let a plot be carried out, but that can lead to unfair or premature arrest. Prosecutors said they plan to retry uh, two of them, but you have to wonder what will be different next time. Evidence of criminal intent should be clear and convincing to bring this kind of case, all the more so given Attorney General Merrick Garland's high-profile announcement that investigating domestic terrorism is a Justice Department priority. But it turns out that the FBI trained the suspects and helped them in this pursuit. Not agents necessarily, but the informants. And that the, the, the men all said that they were just talking here and that this was something where the guys who were just talking and they had multiple training sessions and the ones who were leading the training sessions as part of FBI's undercover cold snap happened to be the FBI informants themselves. They were pushing these men to break the law, pushing these men to commit crimes. And they were pushing them into doing this and that's what you have as an entrapment charge. And what they said on the stand was, we never intended to actually do this. What they said, not the stand, but in the, in the course of the trial. But the FBI loves doing this. They, they love setting people up for stuff like this. No, they really do. Our government loves doing this. Because prosecutors love to prosecute. It's something that they really feel very important doing. And they love doing it because, again, it's about power. And it's about control. And they love power and control over us. And this is why they continue to do stuff like this. Because it advances a political narrative that at any moment now, at any moment, domestic terrorism could break out. As Glenn Greenwald put it, the Department of Justice completely failed to convict anyone in the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot that the FBI concocted, paid for, directed, and orchestrated. There are many young Muslim Americans with long prison sentences for this kind of entrapment, but justice was served here. After 18 months with the judge ruling in their favor on nearly every issue, the Department of Justice did not get a single conviction and the alleged plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. <clears throat> and now maybe, you know, what else we're going to find out here as time goes on is that as part of the narrative that the left is trying to make that everybody is a domestic terrorist on the right, that we're going to see more of this stuff happening. 
you know, people sitting around a room and talking about taking back their country and taking back their government. And then somebody in the room has a, has a, a troubled past or is facing prosecution and can rat on the others. And now you get charges filed. And I mean, unfortunately, this is what's occurring because the left is so hell-bent on dividing us and making us believe that at any moment, at any moment now, there's, there's, there's going to be something, something that happens another January 6th or something like that. And if we don't do something about it now, well, just sit back and wait. Just sit back and watch. Because then it's going to be a complete and utter coup by MAGA. Governors kidnapped, senators killed, Capitol building stormed again. Oh, you'll see. No, you'll see. That's exactly what it is. Because, again, it's about fear, and that's how it is. It's about fear, and it always has been with them. And they will never stop with that. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Now, you know, from my perspective, as I sit here and I think about all this nonsense that we deal with every single day, one of the key points that I also want to make when it comes to the war in Russia and Ukraine, everything that we're dealing with over there, is that teachers, uh, kids in Russia have been taught to rat on their teachers for being against the war. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're raising a uh, culture in this country of snitches. We've got these people turning in professors all the time for what they say in class. We've got this happening. And it is certainly something that we need to talk about here because when you've got a situation where Kids are ratting on their teachers in Russia. You go, well, that's Russia. That's communism. Of course, they're going to do that. It's like, well, they do that in China. And you go, well, they do that in places. I mean, that's what happens because those are those are totalitarian countries. And you go, oh, well, the, well, yeah, of course. But here's the problem, though. Uh, it's happening here, too. Every day, there's another story of a professor who gets snitched on by, by, by students who didn't like what the professor said or something the professor said on Twitter. I mean, our, our buddy South Jersey Giants on Twitter was 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 dealing with this situation in his school because students didn't like things that he said on Twitter using an anonymous name. But this was this is what happens. I mean, this is this is the way things go, and we have a lot of people right now that are dealing with a situation when the left has absolutely no tolerance for hearing things it doesn't like. No tolerance whatsoever. And it does not want to hear anybody, I mean anybody, say something that they disagree with. They want you to shut up and, and shut your mouth about it. I'll give you a great example. Is this um, quote-unquote don't say gay bill out of Florida, which doesn't say that. Brian Stelter is a joke. This guy is a joke. First of all, in this clip that I'm going to play for you, you have to realize that every other second he goes, mm, 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 mm. Mm, 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 mm. All right. Okay. So he has on uh, Abigail Disney, who's the one of the Disney heiresses, and she's on with Brian Stelter and Reliable Daughter Sources. Daughter of co-founder Roy Disney. She's never shied away from speaking out against the company, but in this case, she also has some kind words for Disney as she also calls for the company's executives to find courage in the face of criticism. Uh, Abigail, thanks for coming on the program. Totally delighted. So what is the Walt Disney Company actually, and how do you feel when you see it portrayed as this child abuse indoctrination right. cult? Right. Well, well, what I'm seeing happen is pretty coordinated strategic plan unfolding, uh. and uh, Disney seems like the biggest target because it's so woven into families. Mm. And so if you mm. can create this idea that somebody's in there trying to indoctrinate your child, my goodness, the, the paranoid imagination can run run 
run circles with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. I un I understand yeah. why it's been selected in the strategic whatever strategic meeting they had um, for what they would turn to next. Um, but this is absurd. It, the 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 thing. By the way, who brought this fight? Did 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 we bring a fight against Disney, or did Disney bring it against Ron DeSantis in Florida? Just out of curiosity, who brought this fight? Because it seems like. Disney did. I mean, see, I, as far as I can tell, the woke employees at Disney did not like the fact that Florida said that parents have a right in education to decide these matters, and we're going to keep this stuff out of the classroom. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. And then Disney flipped out because their employees complained, and, and these corporations get so paranoid that the woke kids they're hiring in colleges must speak for everybody in America, and so they freak out. And that's what they wind up doing. So, But who brought this fight? Disney brought the fight. They decided to bring the fight. Nobody was sitting around sitting one day going, you know, we got to start going after Disney. They did this. They created this problem. They could have just stayed the hell out of it. Because if parents want to teach their kids about being gay or transgender in Florida, they can do that. It's not illegal for them to do that. This is about keeping it out of the state curriculum. There's a big difference. But it's a lie, of course, and the left loves lying. That Disney stands for more than anything in, in every film, and especially in the animation, where there's a gay character or not is love and acceptance and family and joy. And so they're trying to inject something into what Disney does that has nothing to do with mm. what Disney does, whether or not there are gay characters. And I keep wondering, um, what is their theory of change exactly? Because if you were to erase every reference to gayness and gay people from the planet, which is sort of what the Don't Say Gay bill feels like, it feels like that. I mean, it isn't that, but I guess it feels like that. So if it feels like that, then it must be that. To erase every instance of gay people from the planet. And, and that's what the don't say gay bill feels like. <laughs> Doesn't do any of those things. But hey, let feelings rule the day, right? Will children not become gay? Do they need to be mm. recruited and groomed? Or are people just gay? Mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that that's a hard question mm -hmm. they need to ask themselves because mm -hmm. if, if you go back through history, there have been gay people whether or not the word was ever spoken. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is kind of a, it's, it's an ineffective way of going about what they want. It's an attempt to push history backwards. Mm -hmm. And it, it denies the fact that everyone, conservative or not, has a gay friend or a transgender family member. We're all in it together now, and I think it's all of our fight. When you say they have a strategy here. Uh -huh. Well, that was the conspiracy mongering that, uh, that the conservatives sat around together and said, ooh, I got an idea. Let's go after Disney, all right? Let's go after Disney. Let's do that. Ron DeSantis is going to win this fight, by the way. He, he's going to win this fight, and he, and he is winning this fight, and that's the thing. He's winning. He is winning, and they are losing, and they hate him for it. They really do because they cannot figure out how to deal with him. They really don't know how to keep, how to deal with it. They just have no idea. And the truth is, just like in, in New Jersey, we're going to start teaching this stuff to kids in second grade. All parents are saying is, just please don't destroy the innocence of my children with this stuff. I don't want you teaching them about straight sex either. I just don't want you to teach them about sex. Any of it. Just leave it out of the classroom. But remember something, though. When you're dealing with people who are zealots and radicals, 
they believe that your children are not innocent. They believe that your children are vehicles for their propaganda and their messages. And that's what it comes down to. DeSantis is winning this fight because he understands what parents are looking for at this moment in time in political history. In, in, in politics, things always have their moments. In this moment in time, in what we're living with after going through lockdowns and school shutdowns, and I've talked to you extensively about the mental health crisis facing our children. And right now in this moment in time, what parents want is control. They want to be able to help their children by being active and present and to keep their kids innocent. They've already had to lose so much innocent by wearing masks every day, innocence, and being out of school and being out of the classroom and not being able to be with their friends at lunch and not be able to ride a bus like a normal child and play sports and do activities and all the other things that they've lost, the the innocence of childhood. They don't want now to insert this crap into the classroom, into their curriculum. And I think that's pretty reasonable. Ron DeSantis is is meeting the moment of what parents are looking for right now. And he did it again today as he signed a uh, a bill about fatherhood in Florida. Engage with each other. And that's why we're here today. I'll be signing HB 765, uh, which helps support 7065, which helps support fathers and encourage their active participation in their children's lives. And we had a great uh, legislative uh, leaders uh, bring this across the finish line, including Speaker Sprouls. Uh, so we want to thank them. But they also, not only are there good initiatives, this comes with funding uh, that will help make those initiatives effective. So this bill is tied to $70 million in funding uh, to provide a wide array of family and youth support through our Department of Children and Families, as well as our Department of Juvenile Justice. Uh, and they will be working very closely uh, to support fatherhood throughout our state. Um, at Department of Children and Family, this bill um, is going to create a statewide awareness campaign to call attention to the importance of responsible fatherhood and to equip fathers with resources to stay engaged in their children's lives. I'm sure the left will freak out about that, too. Uh, you know something that bothers me? Civil asset forfeiture. And I've talked to you about this for a long time. And I'm going to spend more time on this probably tomorrow on the show. But it's but but it's this, okay? Um, we are now seizing yachts that belong to Russian uh, oligarchs. I, if you, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, what we're doing is right now is that Russian elites and their families... And then we go after their assets and we seize their assets in an attempt to pressure Putin's regime. Now, so we call them oligarchs and we go, well, they're an oligarch. So then take their yacht. And this is what we do. And we've been doing this. Biden boasted this week. He said, did you see those yachts we're picking up? Think about the incredible amounts of money these oligarchs have stolen. These yachts are a hundred millions and millions of dollars. The Justice Department announced the seizure of a $90 million yacht named the Tango, which belonged to, belonged to a sanctioned Russian oligarch named Victor Vexelberg. Spanish authorities took the yacht using a U.S. warrant issued as part of the Task Force Klepto Capture. Now, this, this task force was launched after the invasion by Russia of Ukraine to hold accountable corrupt Russian oligarchs. Kleptocatcher is a fun name, of course, but it glosses over the fact that, well, many wealthy Russians are close to Putin's regime. Calling them oligarchs isn't the same as demonstrating that they share responsibility for the war. And remember who else was yelling about oligarchs last week? Bernie Sanders, remember? We've got oligarchs here in America. Oligarchs like Jeff Bezos oligarchs like this. Remember, I, I played it on the show last week. Yelling his head off again about oligarchs. 
But but here's a question. I mean, number one, first of all, as Jonathan Turley points out, serious legal questions surround the seizure of boats, planes, and other property owned by oligarchs. In these largely uncharted waters, many of the owners are likely to get back their yachts and other property after the headlines have receded. The United States and Western countries have considerable authority to seize property, but less authority to keep it. The rule is that, unlike Russia, these countries are bound by property rights and rules of due process, which is good. Now, remember, Eric Swalwell wanted to uh, expel Russian students from the country. Why? What did they do? The new thing now is we're not going to let, I saw this, Johnny, uh, our buddy Johnny tweeted about this. We're not going to allow Russians to run in the Boston Marathon. So if you're Russian, you can't, you can't run in the marathon. Why? What did you do other than be Russian? Why not put them in internment camps like we did the Japanese in World War II? Why not? I mean, it's the same thing. Just start stereotyping them as being probably enemies of the state and, 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 and in it to help the, the motherland. And just start locking them up again. Why not? Do it like the last time a Democrat was in power during a war when he did that. Franklin Roosevelt. Obviously, it wasn't the last time a Democrat's in power. Almost every Democrat has been in a war, but you know, my, you know what, I'm, what I'm saying here. And owning a yacht that can be seized, let alone worth $90 million, doesn't guarantee much sympathy from the public. But being rich doesn't erase your rights, and it means that you have the resources to defend yourself in ways not always available to regular people subject to the same nonsense. Remember something else, too. We do this stuff in this country all the time where we seize people's money and boats and cars and everything. We do this under the, the guise of civil forfeiture, and I've talked a lot about this. Civil forfeiture. A license to steal, as I put it, as other people put it as well. But we're doing the same thing now with, with Russia's banks. We're doing the, the same thing with Russia's money and, and Russian. And, and if you bring this up, people go, they scream at you. They go, hey, listen now. Hang on a second. You must be rooting for Russia. Oh, you're rooting for Russia, aren't you? It's like if you speak up for somebody who had their car seized by the state. And the state says, well, they're a drug dealer. And you go, well, prove it. You go, wow, what are you, soft on drug dealers? There's a bill that might provide a firmer legal basis for seizures. The legislation encourages the administration to confiscate any property, including luxury villas, yachts, and airplanes valued over $5 million from Russian oligarchs previously sanctioned by the U.S. government for their involvement in the Kremlin's invasion and human rights violations in Ukraine. But rather than address due process concern, the bill makes private property forfeit based on little more than officials' claims that its owners are linked to Putin. That's all I have to say. Now, Professor Turley points out that prosecutors would have to show that large corporations that have operated for decades in international markets are now deemed criminal enterprises for the purposes of these properties. It is not clear, the professor says, that governments now seizing the property will be able to establish the nexus between an alleged crime and these proceeds or property for some, if not most, of the oligarchs. In other words, just because they own something and you think they might have done something isn't enough for you to just take their stuff. If you believe in fighting tyranny, because in tyranny, under, under tyrannical regimes, they can just take your stuff. They can just take, just take it. Just take it. I mean, why not? They do whatever they want in in those kind of situations. And the other problem, too, is that if we believe that American oligarchs are people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, all these other people, why not seize their stuff? Why not impound their stuff, too? I mean, these people have not paid taxes. They they lie about. They say that these people have uh, have been unfair to people. They've treated people poorly. They probably have gotten all this wealth, ill-gotten gains. Why not seize their stuff, too? 
Bernie Sanders says, we have oligarchs in the United States of America. Oligarchs. These yachts that Putin's friends, well, guess what? We have them here in this country, Sanders said. These people are living in mansions with 25 bathrooms. So why not, why not just take their stuff? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Branson, they're all taking joyrides and rocket ships to outer space, Bernie says. They're buying $500 million space super yachts. So then why not? Why not? Right? Why not take their stuff too? How come we're only doing it to the Russians? That's my question. But you know that Elizabeth Warren would love to steal their money. You know that Bernie Sanders would love to steal their money. You know this. Of course. I have an oligarchy right here in America. Oh, oligarchy. Anyone who thinks we do not have an oligarchy right here in America is sorely... Oligarchy. Today in America, multi-billionaires like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson are off taking joyrides on their rocket ships to outer space... They're buying $500 million super yachts. And we talk about the yachts that, that Putin's friends have. Well, guess what? They have them, too, here in this country, living in mansions with 25 bathrooms. In his budget, the president has proposed a 20% minimum tax on those who are worth at least $100 million. This is an important step forward, and I congratulate the president for doing that. We should go further, though. Anyone who thinks we do not have an oligarchy right here in America, is sorely mistaken. Got it? So why not do what we're doing to all of our oligarchies here in the United States of America? Huh? That's the question. Why not? What are we waiting for? Come on. Oligarchies. Go after the oligarchies. I I just think it is uh, amazing to me how much power and control the left continues to want to exert over all of us in every single aspect of our lives. And how they just love government and they have no respect for private property rights. And they, and look at the mask mandate in Philadelphia now. Basing it on a percentage to scare people into believing now that we've got to start masking up in a week or else. Or else what exactly? Control, fear, more control, more fear, more control and more fear. This is what they love. And they love doing this. And they're not going to stop doing it, by the way, because for them... It's very important that they continue to make sure that you remember who's in charge. That's right. Thanks for being here today. I appreciate listening. And uh, hopefully we'll have more to talk about tomorrow. I have a hunch we will. Maybe we'll talk about the oligarchies right here in America. Have a great rest of your day today. Thanks for listening.